The Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Shady Rays. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code SGPN for 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. Joining me today from Establish the Run, Cody Maine. Cody, how you doing today? I am good, Adam. Happy to be joining you for the first time. Happy to be joining you for a USFL kickoff show and very excited for this league to get underway this weekend. Oh my gosh. And we were talking a little bit. It just feels like it snuck up on us all because we're so, we've been buried in XFL content. I know you guys over there have been just grinding snap counts route counts you've been grinding everything out and i can't even imagine having to grind all that out and now all of a sudden we got to start getting prepped for the same thing with the usfl prepping models trying to make out what's going to happen in some of these position battles so i mean and what are your initial thoughts heading into this ufs usfl season we were talking a little bit about it before the show with the turnover at quarterback didn't wasn't the turnover we saw at other positions yeah, I think the turnover at quarterback in obviously from a from kind of a waterfall approach, a top down approach, like all of the turnover at the offensive coordinating and head coaching positions are really going to change how things look from, uh, you know, play calling perspective. Our team's going to be a little bit more run centric than they were in the past. We'll, we'll run centric teams from last season be a little bit more pass heavy this season. I think from, you know, a fantasy perspective and just trying to trying to figure out things from week one, we're always looking for spots where we can be most confident or where we can feel most confident. And for me, those spots are probably going to be quarterback positions that are the same from last season, head coaching positions that are the same from last season. And then from there, you know, again, talking from this top down level, well, then we can figure out where the targets are going to go, where the rushing attempts are going to go, where some maybe some of the deep, deep attempts are going to go to some of these wide receivers, tight ends. In uh, in running backs, you know, I, I just want to feel confident in a few spots, and if we can figure out which those spots are heading into Week One, I think we can feel pretty good about you know where we put our, our our teams in position. Yeah, and a lot was made of the turnover. Everyone thought the XFL was going to pay a lot more than the USFL initially, and it's interesting that in actuality the salaries pretty much leveled off. I think mm-hmm. the USFL has a higher base rate but lower with bonuses but they have that established nature going here. And we saw some quarterbacks jump. We saw Luis Perez go. We saw Taomu. We saw Kyle Sloter. We saw three quarterbacks go. And we saw a few skill position players. But other than that, a lot of teams held serve with their skill positions. And I think most importantly, offensive linemen. We always talk about how offensive linemen need that coaching. And you mentioned it. They have an established coaching rhythm they have an established system so even though we had some coaching changes in a lot of cases the replacements were on staff already so we see like with the maulers changing over they kept a lot of their offensive staff and we can assume that even if it's a broken system they're still (laughs) going to be consistent in their system right and same thing there in michigan um the only one that really didn't was new orleans 
but they got a good coach still in John mm-hmm. Filippo, a guy who's a talent developer, which is what I think you really need in these spring leagues is if you have a guy who's used to making do with less, and that's going to be a big benefit for a guy like John Filippo. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and again, going back to kind of those spots where we just want to feel confident is like what – how much do we know about these coaching staffs if there was turnover at certain uh, coaching positions or if there was turnover at at certain uh, important spots like offensive line, like quarterback, like some of these skill position spots? How much do we know about who is going to be replacing them? You know, as we've seen in the XFL, as soon as we get confident about uh, a team's rotation or, or playing time, <laughs> it seems like it changes the next week. So we Vegas just want to trade their quarterback to Arlington. <laughs> and then we have a guy we didn't even think who was going to be good yeah. all of a sudden in the fold. In a guy like Jalen McClendon, just exactly any any time that you can get multiple points of confidence going for for a particular team or even more granular, a particular player, those are good spots to really try and attack and really try and press your edge. That's what we're doing with with trying to chart everything. We can know then by doing that, like why are guys coming off the field? When are guys coming off the field? Can we be more confident in X player playing more than they have in the past? Anytime we can get that type of information before our opponents have it, obviously, hopefully helps, uh, you know, provide an edge in in the games that we're playing. So looking at that, are there any teams that you see kind of as, you know, maybe a positive regression candidate or a negative regression candidate as we're getting ready for the USFL season? Yeah, a team that that I'm just generally going to be bullish on. Uh, I think anytime I see them is going to be Bart Andrews's Philadelphia Stars. I like the way that they play. Anyone that's followed along with the established the run content for the XFL knows how much I love these past first teams. It's really great for, for PPR style fantasy production, even if they're inefficient. And I think this Philadelphia team is going to be very efficient. They bring back Case Cookus. They bring back Bart Andrews. They bring back a bunch of receivers that have familiarity in the system. A couple of guys at running back who we'll talk about shortly when we get to the position stuff that I really like this season as well. So I think from, from a continuity standpoint and from a place where I think our projections will be very confident, we'll be on the Philadelphia star side feel really good about that team in general. Uh, also, you kind of have to go back to the Birmingham Stallions. Uh, there, there doesn't seem to be a ton of turnover there from kind of the key spots. You've got Skip Holtz back in town. You have Jamar Smith and Alex Magoo, who uh, I think probably provide one of the best one-two quarterback tandems in the league. If one of those guys happens to go down, I think the other one just steps up and, and absolutely shreds. Running back room there is still basically intact. And then you know, they lost a few receivers. They lose Victor Bolden. They lose Osiris, Osiris Mitchell. But Marlon Williams is still there, who I think will probably step up in kind of a, a wide receiver one type role. I, I feel really good about those two teams as of right now. Still, of course, digging in, as as you said, off the front, this season really just snuck up on us and, and still trying to dig in and find more spots that I feel pretty confident in. But those two from the the very jump stood out to me. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think that's just an interesting point that you bring up J- with Jamar Smith and Alex Magoo is we saw some news out this week that it does look like it's going to be a true platoon system between the two of them. But unlike last year with the generals, where we saw one guy's the thrower, one guy's the runner, both of those guys can throw and run. So that'll be a little bit of a saving grace for fantasy players is e- you're going to guess, you're going to have to guess each week, yeah. but you're not going to see a step down with either of them. You're going to feel good about starting either of them week in and week out. Although something interesting is that at, at tight end, Birmingham just kind of cleared out their room and just has Jay Sternberger on the roster as the sole tight end. I know there were some folks looking 
um, and some other guys that they brought in. But Sternberger, the only guy left after carrying engine line, is an early cut. I think Sternberger is interesting. And if you go from like a, a position by position standpoint, if you look at the tight end rooms in the USFL, it almost sets up like as if you were drafting in the NFL, you know, if you're drafting your season long fantasy team in the NFL, if you're doing best ball for NFL, like if you don't get the Travis Kelsey's or Mark Andrews's of the world and really last season, it was just Travis Kelsey or bust like this. It seems the same way in the USFL. Like if you don't get Jay Sternberger or, or Buck Howard on your roster, like, just punt the position, right? Who else out there is going to provide fantasy value like those types of guys? You know, Jay Sternberger has been has been a guy that's proven capable of earning targets. Buck Howard last season, another guy that was capable of doing that. I, I looking through the depth charts, didn't see another guy to me that stood out as somebody that's going to give you that type of fantasy value. And if that's the case, I mean, I feel comfortable kind of just punting on the position. Yeah, and as we're getting ready to kick off this new year, we're going to talk about another way to kick off the new year with gear that's built to last because our friends at shady rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades customizable snow goggles and much more shady rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures but that's not all shady rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they'll send you a new, brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. With Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good. To date, they have donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. If you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And now exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code SGPN for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. I know my pair's on the way. I got them in the mail. They're on the way here just in time for the warm weather to hit. Hope to be rocking them at a USFL game this year. So, uh, we started talking a little bit about these depth start. Let's work back to front. We started with tight end. Let's talk. Well, let's talk about these tight ends. So you said if you don't have a Bug Howard or a Jay Sternberger, you should pretty much punt the position. Does the fact that Bug Howard is still on the inactive roster for the Stars give you pause at all when you're looking at him? Yeah, this is going to be something where I'm going to need to catch up on news and, and understand how serious it is. The fact that he's on an inactive roster, that's going to be important for me to figure out. And, and full disclosure, still try to catch up from all of the XFL happenings mm-hmm. that are going on as we approach week nine in that season as well. Just just briefly scrolling through the depth charts, if the Buck Howard uh, injury or inactive roster becomes an issue where we don't feel confident about him starting the season or coming back uh, shortly thereafter, Sage Surratt is, is another guy. You mentioned him as, as the guy that left Birmingham and kind of will be replaced by a Jay Sternberger. Sage Surratt could be a guy that I think could certainly provide some fantasy value as well in, in the Breakers offense. You mentioned their quarterback. I, I think we can say an upgrade now after what we've seen from Kyle Sloter. Uh, oh, in, for sure. Yeah, exactly. In the XFL, a guy that hadn't completed any less than 65% of his passes as a, a CFL quarterback has won two great cups. I think that is, is very good news. For him, Sage Sherratt maybe doesn't take over the, the full-blown Sal Canella role, who was just an, an absolute dominating force in USFL Season 1.0, but could certainly be a guy that provides you an 18, 19, 20% target share at the position as well. So, you know, if, if you're if you're concerned about a Buck Howard, if if you're not there for Jay Sternberger, I think a Sage Sherratt could be a guy 
that gives you some value as well. And if we do have concerns about Buck Howard, why not go back to the well with, with Pro Wells, you know, a guy that, that provided some fantasy value as well in that Philadelphia Stars pass-heavy offense. I think he could be a guy that we could look at, uh, you know, at the, at the tight end position as well. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned a lot of guys there, but a guy who just is always going to intrigue me is Brandon Barnes. You know, Brandon Barnes started a little slow last year, didn't get as involved in that, at times, disjointed gambler's offense. I mean, the gambler's offense was just baffling top to bottom, and I just feel like it wasn't, uh, Kevin Sumlin wasn't prepared for what he was going to need to do, and that offense felt like it was unprepared week in and week out. Now under Charles Johnson, I feel a little bit better about their preparation because Charles Johnson is, has been an in-the-weeds position coach. He worked at Tulane, was the head man there, so he has some experience there. Brandon Barnes flashed in the XFL over the close of that season with Josh Johnson in, in um, Los Angeles. I really enjoyed his talent there. He's a guy who flashed talent in the AF as well, and he's just kind of a perpetual guy who's going to be around the margins. And this gambler's offense feels like it's a candidate for positive regression. They were just, they fell apart so badly and could only put two quarters of football together down the stretch last year. I don't think they can get worse. And a guy like Brandon Barnes feels like he's going to carve out some space over the middle of the field, especially with Anthony Ratliff, Williams, Teo Redding, and Tyler Palka drawing some coverage on the outside. So I really like Brandon Barnes as if I'm not getting a Sternberger or a Bug Howard or a Sage Sherratt, I'm really interested in him down the depth chart. Yeah, I like hearing the the overall positive regression analysis on the uh, on the Houston offense. I'm excited about watching this offense. It's a team that was probably put mildly when you said disjointed last season at times. Uh, very excited to see what the Gamblers can put together in 2023. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those things where they have so much talent across the board. They can't possibly be as bad as they were yeah. last year. Right. And I think that that's a big thing. And then, you know, maybe as we go to as we go to Michigan, looking at a guy like a Matt Siebert, who flashed a little bit at times last year as well, or Artavius Lynn, you know, there aren't a ton of top-level options in that Mahler's offense, and somebody has to catch the ball. You know, just like last year, somebody had to catch the ball for yeah. the Maulers, and it ended up being Trey Walker and Bailey Gaither. Same thing, the tight end, somebody's got to catch the ball, so you're going to need a dart throw. So it's important to know these names late and be ready to pivot onto them late. Yeah, Kirby Wilson out of town for the Maulers. I, I, I'm trying to feign optimism for a lot of these teams that I wasn't optimistic on last season, but this is one that I'm still struggling with a little bit. Get to the wide receiver position. I'll talk about Bailey Gaither and Trey Walker, who I think were relatively good target earners last season in an inefficient offense. And those are the type of types of fantasy guys that can give you big weeks, even if the offense as a whole is is underperforming i think we'll probably have a situation like that again with the maulers this season despite the new coaching staff it's just tough for me to get too excited about about anyone on pittsburgh's offense at the moment it's it's really hard for me to get excited when they ran their best who i think their best quarterback was out of town in chase forcade i think chase forcade probably was better and more prepared than james morgan or troy williams will end up being i mean yeah. i just He's a younger guy, hungry, has experience. And, you know, when I saw him during the failed Major League football season in uh, Mobile, he was looking sharp. He was looking sharp on a good team. And um, 
Hell, Jerry Glanville was ready to trust him with his offense. So if Jerry Glanville, if he's if he has Jerry Glanville's t- trust, he should have the trust of these coaches in the USFL. Yeah. So I don't know why they ran him out. Um, starting to look at running backs, you know, who are guys who are standing out there for you in the running back rooms across the league? Are there some this guys was that a position really targeting? This was a position that I was really excited about to see how many names that I would consider top per, top plays from 2022 look like they're going to be top plays in 2023 as well. There was a lot of retention in the running back rooms across the league, and maybe some guys change teams a little bit. Maybe there's uh, a little bit of changing in coaching staffs and how they'll be deployed, but I still think that a lot of the guys that we talked about and played last season are going to be some of the same guys that we're considering this season. Reggie Corbin has to be the first guy you mentioned from – a ceiling perspective, at least in my opinion, he's in this Michigan offense that I, I, again, one of these ones that I want to be optimistic about. It's a new OC in Michigan with Mike Nolan or a new head coaching in Michigan with Mike Nolan, the same OC and Eric Marty, Stevie Scott is still in town. So this is not going to be a full blown bell cow system for Reggie Corbin. He's going to split snaps with Stevie Scott with LD Brown as well, most likely, but he led the league last season amongst all running backs with at least 50 rushing attempts in yards per carry at 5.5. I think this is a, a home run hitting type of back who's going to get you chunk yardage on the ground consistently, as we saw him do last season. Uh, and I think that he's going to be involved in the passing game as well with some of the departures that Michigan dealt with at the wide receiver position. I could see him being a little bit more involved as a receiver. So I, I love I love Reggie Corbin. He was such a treat to watch last season from, you know, just from a, an eye test perspective. And he kind of passes all of the uh, all the tests in, in that regard. Yeah. And I just thinking of Reggie Corbin, the thing that kind of scares me away is I think Stevie Scott can st- is going to poach the goal line work. Mm-hmm. And last year, the most valuable fantasy player above replacement in the USFL was Darius Victor on the strength yeah. of his touchdowns. Darius Victor and Matt Colburn were the top of the top because they were getting the goal line and red zone work. Goal line backs feast in spring football more so than the NFL. And so a guy like Stevie Scott, who's 6'3", got that size, got that physicality, you know, going to be productive. The same reason why you should be really excited about a full season of Bo Scarborough because Bo Mm -hmm. came in with like two, three games left and he was good. He was okay. But then he just broke out in the playoffs. So guys like that who are going to get those goal line get the goal line work are the guys who I'm really paying attention to. So I like your thought process with Reggie Corbin, but I actually think Stevie Scott's the guy I want there because I don't think they're going to give the, I don't think the quarterback's going to poach as much of the goal line rushing work. And mm-hmm. I don't trust them to throw the ball around the goal line. That's interesting. I had Stevie Scott written down as well. He's another guy that's up there for me um, from from perspective of guys that's just going to turn out consistently good fantasy performances for you. You mentioned another guy who I had second on my list, Matt Colburn. Uh, you know, Matt Colburn kind of does it all from a fantasy perspective in this Stars offense that we expect to be pretty efficient. He's I, I, I'm trying to think of an NFL comp for for Matt Colburn, and I thought maybe like a Joe Mixon at at his ceiling from a usage perspective, at least maybe not the way that they play, but 4.5 yards per carry handled about 47% of the team's rushing attempts last season, added a 9.7% target share to go along with it. You mentioned kind of the red zone and goal line opportunities for him as well. I think if if we think this Stars offense is going to be efficient as they potentially could be and score frequently, I think a lot of those opportunities are going to go to Matt Colburn. We saw some huge individual games from him last season and kind of expecting a similar type performance this year from, from the Stars RB1. 
Yeah, and that's just why, you know, thinking about that, why I'm also looking at a guy like Mark Thompson, who mm-hmm. really is a physical beast down around the goal line. Again, we talked about the gamblers as a positive regression candidate because, well, hell, they can't get much worse <laughs> in the second half of games. So Mark Thompson was a guy who last year really just physical around the goal line, just busting into the end zone, really really a guy they can lean on, and especially since none of their quarterbacks have that big physical size you like to have around the goal line. Mark Thompson's going to be the guy that they just say, go jump into the pile and get us a yard or two to score. You know, And then there's some NFL talent to look at, too. How are you feeling about Alex Collins coming kind of off his couch a little bit, trying to earn an NFL look? Yeah, not exactly uh, a guy that we would expect to be super in shape. Maybe the last time we saw Alex Collins was 2021 when he was actually getting regular season work for the Seahawks. So, uh, you know, a guy that some of these guys are are coming off of other, you know, spring football appearances, coming out of college, coming, you know, as you mentioned, off their couch. Like Collins, at least, was a guy that was most recently seen in the NFL, albeit short stint. Um, but the, the one problem that I have right now with Collins, and I know he can be a big physical runner, could be a guy kind of like in that Mark Thompson mold that could get you those goal line carries, get you those red zone carries and, and be efficient in that manner. This showboat's offense and, and they've got the name change. So maybe that'll help out a little bit, but this offense last season from a running perspective was just so, so bad. I, I don't know if they've done enough in the off season to get much better under Todd Haley and, and OC Bob Sanders or Bob Saunders. But, but I do think that there is some, you know, potential for Collins to be a, a league-winning type guy if he can access a ceiling. I just have question marks about this this entire rushing attack from the showboats. I, I mean, it's David Ham who had a cup of the briefest cup of coffee with the Raiders mm-hmm. in during their offseason and during his draft year, and then there's Justin Stockton who is an who was had is hit his peak with the hot shots of the AAF and then with the guardians of the XFL two really couldn't get on the field. And that was his last work in 2020. So he's three years cold coming off the bench. So a guy like that, just a little older, a little slower and hasn't been playing the game. I'm the showboats feel like they're a candidate for a mid season running back ad early, early on, (laughs) because that's three guys who haven't played a lot of football recently. And Alex Collins has that pro top level talent, but something I keep going back to is guys who have been the guy in the pros really make me nervous in these spring leagues. And I think we saw it a lot with guys like Eli Rogers, Martavius Bryant and Geronimo Allison this year. They just don't produce whether it's they're just, they lost that physicality or they lost that hunger and that edge that made them good in the NFL and they just have younger guys who are hungrier than them in the spring leagues that take away opportunities. Showboat's running attack is wanting, to say the least. Yeah. It could be ugly from from their perspective. We'll see how sometimes talent can just win out, and I do think that at its core or at his core, Alex Collins is a talented running back, though we haven't seen it of late You know, for this league and, and, and this dynamic. I think he can certainly get things done, but – uh, I will uh, I will hold off on that until he makes me makes me uh, shoves it down my throat I guess for lack of a better term. Yeah, I mean NFL talent has to deal with underdogs all day, and that's a bad thing for them. But for you, underdog is a great thing because we're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is a great place to get down on fantasy and player props all year long. 
Underdog Fantasy as your favorite NBA, NHL, and MLB daily games. Plus, they're already doing best ball drafts for the 2023 NFL season. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. So we've talked about running backs. We've talked about tight ends. Let's talk about receivers. You know, who who are the receivers that are really standing out to you as we're getting ready? You know, we're less than a week away. Who are the guys you're targeting? In your yeah, lineup? I think the one... The one that stood out the most to me is is we're going to go right back to big body Jonathan Adams, big J Adams. Got it done with the breakers with Kyle Slaughter under center. Didn't really matter for him was a guy that was putting up big performances week in and week out. I think the addition of Bethel Thompson is going to be best for Jonathan Adams. Again, we talk about a guy that never completed fewer than 65.3% of his passes in the CFL, averaged 8.2 yards per attempt in his final season with the Argonauts. I just think that this passing attack behind Bethel Thompson and Jay Adams could be really good. And I'm looking for guys that can give me spike weeks, that can really win me weeks on their own. We've just seen it in the XFL, you know, just happened last week with, or, you know, uh, Sunday last night with, with guys like Chris Blair, who put up massive weeks, Juwan Green, who put up a massive week. We saw it with Eli Rogers for the first time all season. Sometimes you can win a week by having one or two of these guys, even if parts of the rest of your roster fail. Give me a guy like Jay Adams, who I know can go up there, you know, give me 20 plus points uh, on a consistent basis and I'll, I'll deal with some of the downfalls. But I think the ceiling for him is is one of the highest in the league. Yeah. And I really think something that's going to benefit those guys is benefit Johnny Dixon and Jay Adams is that they're the guys. There's no one else on that roster that's going to be even close to competing for their targets. John Filippo knows who his guys are. The Cloud Bethel Thompson's going to know who his guys are, and he's going to go back to them over and over and over again. Yeah, I think this is a situation, and you mentioned Johnny Dixon. He was another guy that wasn't too far down my list. Like, if you saw these two guys soak up a combined, I don't know, 55% target share or more, would not be shocked in the slightest. Again, we mentioned, you know, Sage Sherrod is there at the tight end position, but beyond, beyond those two, uh, it gets really thinned out really quickly for me, and and I think this is just going to be a situation where we see both of these guys peppered uh, with targets. For me, this feels like a low-budget version of the 2018 Vikings, where Filippo was the offensive coordinator, where we just saw monster target shares for Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. You know, those guys absolutely dominated 300 combined targets between the two of them. Now, I don't think they're going to – I mean, they could. They're going to be in that 70-80 target range, which is going to be tops in the league, and then they're going to spread. They're going to sprinkle some to the tight end. So, it, you know, in looking at John Filippo's offenses in the past, he really likes to have two receivers that he trusts. Even even with the Jags, it was DJ Chark and D.D. Westbrook. Mm-hmm. You know, D.D. Westbrook isn't exactly a game-breaker, and he might not be much better than Johnny, Johnny Dixon and Jay Adams, but – it feels like this offense is going to lean heavily into those guys. And we see it right now in the XFL. McLeod Bethel Thompson reminds me a lot of AJ McCarron, mm-hmm. a guy who's professional, going to be prepared. He might know the offense better than his offensive coordinator does. And that's going to be valuable. You know, experience can win out at the quarterback position. And just being good enough. I mean, McCarron, it seemed like for a couple of weeks in the XFL was just doing enough, but was a consistent enough thrower of the football that he was getting guys like Darius Shepard, was getting guys like Akeem Butler the ball, 
and they were able to do things with it. And I look at a guy like Hakeem Butler who has that dominating physical presence in the XFL. It's just tough, man, for some of these cornerbacks that are a little bit smaller in stature, might be a little bit slower to deal with the physicality of some of these huge, for lack of a better term, wide receivers. Jay Adams is an NFL-sized uh, wide receiver, and I just think that some of the cornerbacks in this league could struggle with him as we saw them last year and, and as we've seen with guys like Akeem Butler in the XFL. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about spring football, you're talking about guys who were overlooked for one reason or another, whether they were just that step too slow they're just two inches too short. So those guys with those physical intangibles um, really have a leverage point. And we've seen it time and time and time again, you know, and Jay Adams, you know, trust me, I need Brandon Bean and the Bills to just get in on that. And I need Jay Adams in Bills camp this year because I can't handle them not bringing in some of the watching this crapshoot of receivers not get challenged by a spring guy who's hungry like that. And speaking of big and physical, you know, DeAndre Overton on the stars is another guy I think could be a beneficiary of that six foot four big physical receiver was in the was in the building last year. So he has some, you know, rapport with Case Cookus and Case Cookus second year in the offense. The rushing attack's going to be good, but there's some opportunity there at receiver with some of the top options clearing out. So it's a battle between Jordan Sewell. Chris Rowland, DeAndre Overton, and Corey Coleman, who was a late addition to the roster, but brings NFL-level talent to the table. This room is really interesting, and I think you're going to find probably two, three. Heck, if we get a consistent rotation, maybe four usable wide receivers in this offense, just with the way that they like to play. We've seen it in the the XFL with these teams like the Sea Dragons, with these teams like the Roughnecks that want to go three and four wide receiver heavy you see a capable uh, capable passing attacks are able to support fantasy viable performances from multiple guys. I think this certainly could be another one of those situations. I had Jordan Sewell written down as another guy as well. DeAndre Overton certainly makes a list with those physical abilities. I think that we probably, it'll be interesting. I think that we probably see this four wide receiver set look like Jordan Sewell and DeAndre Overton on the perimeters, Chris Rowland and Devin Gray on the, uh, on the inside. And like maybe two of those guys, one of each, one guy on the perimeter, one guy from the slot type role can provide, you know, fantasy viable performances. The guy that intrigued me the most was also in the building last year in Jordan Sewell, 19.1% target share last season, a 25% area share. Another guy that I think is probably going to give you some weeks that look rather disappointing from the box score if he doesn't capitalize on some of those deep targets. But again, when he does capitalize on those deep targets, you're going to see some potential for like 10, 100, and a touchdown, which is, again, going to win you some of those leagues. So I, I like taking shots on a lot of these guys, but I am struggling as of right now just to figure out which two or three I think could separate from the pack. Yeah, and I think part of that is, is Philadelphia last year had five, six guys right around that 20 target range. They just didn't have that differentiation, which is great because it means Case Cook has a ton of options around him, but it's bad if you're trying to play fantasy, you know, with the stars receivers. And I know one strategy that someone leveraged in one of my XFL leagues was just, I'm going to roster all four sea dragons receivers, <laughs> and I'm going to start three of them every week. And damn, that should work. And it has, I mean, the guy wrote it to a seven and one regular season record, just dominating with that approach because a good offense matters. A good offense matters. Reliable shares matter. So even if one of those guys is a dud, the odds that all three of them are duds is pretty low. 
Yeah, I like that strategy. That's that's actually pretty brilliant. I would have done the same thing with the Roughnecks with John Trey and Deontay Burnett and you know one of those one of those slot wide receivers. I don't see why you can't do it again here in this version in this USFL. Based off of like looking through the coaching stats, you're probably not going to see as many teams separate from a pass volume perspective like we have in the XFL. It's actually been pretty wild to see how many teams in the XFL are so pass heavy. You know, you have the Roughnecks with AJ Smith as the offensive coordinator. You have the Sea Dragons with June Jones. Uh, Bruce Gretkowski's Battle Hawks have been very pass heavy as well. I see maybe one or two offenses in the USFL that could kind of approach that level of pass happiness. And man, just stacking up three guys from the stars and knowing that Bart Andrews is going to drop back 65, 67, 69% of the time, you can lock up a lot of targets that way. Yeah, I mean, it's just been an absolute anomaly as far as spring football goes, how pass happy the XFL has been. I don't mm-hmm. think people understand the level of just, it's, I can't even come up with the words to quantify it because it has just been so insane that they've been so heavy on the pass. Like they're rushing yards per game other than the DC defenders every team would be in the bottom 10%, below the bottom 10%, only outdoing two teams really in historical spring football over a 10-game stretch, you know, and that's the Los Angeles Wildcats and the Birmingham Iron. Every other team would would be better than them in the past three iterations of spring football. It's so, been wild to watch. It's also been fun from a fantasy perspective because you know there are weeks where you're going to get those types of performances from, you know, Jawan Green where he puts up 30-some fantasy points and and, and kind of goes nuclear. And I think that's like it's just a viable strategy in this version of, of fantasy football as a whole because you know you're going to get some duds and you just really don't know where those duds are going to come from. So if you can just attack, like you said, efficient or, or pass-happy offenses with the wide receivers, you're going to end up getting the targets one way or another. Now, an offense that we think is going to change this year back from a platooning quarterback system to probably just one quarterback. At least that's how I feel. How do you feel? How are you looking at the New Jersey Generals offense? Because I yeah, know they is- lost they lost all world receiver Cavante Turpin from last year. But to me, that creates an opportunity for them with some talent that they brought in. So how are you looking at that offense? Yeah, I do agree. And this is the the zig when everyone zags type of offense. Um, you know, we're seeing it work to perfection in the XFL with the DC defenders, just a very, very efficient rushing attack that is deploying, you know, two running backs really well and a running quarterback really well. I agree that Mike Riley would be kind of crazy not to roll out DeAndre Johnson for, you know, what amounts to roughly hundred percent of the snaps in this, in this season. Uh, I, I don't expect a, a lot of Kyle Laoletta. I don't expect a lot of Dakota Prukop or any of these guys to be involved as passers of the football, put the ball in DeAndre Johnson's hands and let him hand off to, to Darius Victor and Trey Williams. I think the loss of Kevante Turpin does open up a little bit for the wide receivers, but I think it'll be like we're seeing right now with the defenders where, Probably one guy is going to get there on a weekly basis. You're not going to see big games from the Lucky Jacksons and Chris Blairs and Josh Hammonds at the same time. It's probably mm-hmm. going to be one of the situations where Lucky Jackson goes off week one, Chris Blair goes off week two. You know, it's kind of an alternating thing because there's just not going to be enough pass volume in that offense. So, yeah, some guys do intrigue me a little bit. I just don't know if at this point in time I'm capable of picking out which couple of guys it's going to be. Alonzo Moore certainly stands out. I've been bullish on Demorne Pearsonell. Shout out Nebraska. I am a, a Cornhusker fan. 
been been bullish on him for quite some time. You know, I just have a tough time looking across this wide receiver landscape for the New Jersey Generals, picking out which guy is going to separate as, you know, the, the real wide receiver one. Yeah, I think Alonzo Moore is going to see a lot of the work. He's just, he's big, he's got that prototypical size, and a guy who we think of as being slightly less accurate than DeAndre Johnson, even though that's not true. He was just as accurate as Luis Perez last year. Um, Alonzo Moore, big receivers are a slightly inaccurate quarterback's best friend. Same with Wes Saxton, Woody Brandon, and Braden Bowman. I mean, they've got three tight ends who are big physical guys who can catch the ball. Demorne Pearsonell is a guy who's intrigued me since his St. Louis yeah. Battlehawks days in the XFL too. I mean, he's a guy who's got that speed, that ability to work all over the field. And he really, you know, when he was with the Salt Lake Stallions, even shout out to the AAF, he started to flash some of that ability there in what was a bad offense. And DeAndre Johnson, if you're if you're looking for the guy who's going to win you the league, it's DeAndre Johnson. Because if you put his passing numbers with Luis Perez's numbers last year, he's close to 2,000 yards with just an, with an insane touchdown to interception ratio. You know, Luis Perez last year was nine touchdowns to one pick. DeAndre Johnson was one for one. So he's double digit touchdowns. And even if he's two to one on his touchdowns to interceptions, he brings just 500 yard rushing capability, which is an absolute dominating performance that we haven't seen since PJ Walker of the XFL too. Yeah, if he gets 100% of the snaps, there's not not many quarterbacks in this league that are going to challenge him from a fantasy ceiling perspective. It would take kind of otherworldly efficient passing performances for maybe somebody like Bethel Thompson or, or Case Cookis to, to kind of even approach that because he just has this rushing upside that is unmatched. Yeah, and just even from a throwing perspective, last year at the, at the USFL summer semifinals, saw four or five quarterbacks on the field. And one of them looked like he had an NFL arm and it was DeAndre Johnson. Everybody else out there had an arm, but the ball coming out of DeAndre Johnson's hand is just something else. It's a laser. It's, you know, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes ask coming out. He just needs to figure that out. And I think that with a good season here, he's a guy who I like to see in the NFL mm-hmm. after this season. Um, any other wide receivers that are catching your eye, um, guys you're interested in, guys that you're taking a look at. Yeah, we talked about some of those those stars, guys. I'm going to be trying to take shots on, you know, the the Devin Grays and, and Jordan Sewells of the world, trying to kind of catch lightning in a bottle there as well. Kind of mentioned Bailey Gaither and Trey Walker. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about the Smallers offense, but I think Bailey Gaither is just a guy that is capable of getting open and a, a guy that we're going to consistently see earn targets, maybe at a higher level than we would expect. I just don't have a lot of confidence in the Smallers offense as a whole. Uh, another guy that was kind of interesting to me was Joe Walker with this Panthers offense. And, and it could be anyone from this Panthers offense that I suppose could end up separating. Maybe it's Devin Ross. Um, maybe somebody else ends up stepping up. But I just think the the removal of Lance Lenore, Lance Lenore from this offense, who soaked up like a 30% target share last season, is going to open up targets for somebody else. I don't know if those targets are going to be all that efficient. We saw the targets for Lance Lenore come in a rather inefficient manner. He would be a guy that would consistently get six, eight, nine targets a game and just would hardly do it, do anything with them because they were coming, uh, you know, from quarterbacks that were, uh, you know, suboptimal, suboptimal throwing the ball. For <laughs> that's a, that's a polite way to put it there for the <laughs> poo-poo platter that was the Michigan Panthers quarterback but, room. 
Yeah. And, and look, I, again, I don't know if it's going to, if it's going to end up being, uh, you know, going to come to full fantasy fruition, but uh, I think that somebody like Joe Walker showed some flashes at points last season, particularly down the stretch where he was earning targets at a pretty good clip. And, and yeah, I think just the loss of Lance Lenore, uh, you know, Jeff Bidette was in the room, but didn't really do much last season, but I think just kind of removing some of those guys, maybe letting Joe Walker, Devin Ross shine a little bit, will give them some some fantasy viability this season. Yeah. Uh, no interest then in Trey Quinn. You know, kind of that fringe NFL guy who's, you know, gets open. And a guy who can work his way open is an iffy quarterback's best friend as well. Yeah. There are two types of people that are quarterback's best friend, bad quarterback's best friend. The big physical guy who you can't really overthrow or the guy who just always gets open. Yeah, I agree. I could see it. I, I'm going to have to familiarize myself a little bit more with this wide receiver room. The two guys that stood out immediately were those two. Uh, maybe Watt Fowler stands out a little bit as well. But yeah, Trey Quinn is a guy you can sell me on. Uh, I just I'm curious like what this because I think they're probably going to run a lot of two tight end sets again. So maybe not a ton of three wide receiver sets for this team. I'm just curious to see kind of how it shakes out. It would be nice to know um, beforehand, but we probably won't get that information until a little bit closer to kickoff. And I think the issue is, is that there was a clearing out of some of these quarterback rooms, you know, and this is a place where I think the USFL did well. The USFL passed its trash. They got Shea Patterson out. They got Paxton Lynch out. Paxton Lynch is now on his third spring football team mm -hmm. in two years. So, and he just, when you watch him, he just doesn't look like a guy who wants to be on the field. Whereas Josh Love, Eric Barrier, Carson Strong, three guys who, aren't going to blow you away at the top end of things, but they're guys who want to be here. So that work ethic could be big, but we know that there's one team. There's always at least one dumpster fire team. If you're going to make a prediction, who's the dumpster fire this year in the USFL? Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to do it to the Maulers because they're kind of low hanging fruit <laughs> after last season, but oof, boy, uh, you know, we, we, we were joking in our internal Slack channel and this was back when the guardians were, I think, zero and five at the time uh, and were, you know, 10 and a half point dogs to whoever it was they were playing that week, probably not important, but uh, they've, they've turned around with Quentin Dormady under center themselves. We were joking that the Maulers would probably be 10 and a half point dogs to the guardians at the time, and it would probably be a 26 point total. So I just have a feeling that this Maulers team is uh, a little bit overmatched for, uh, for the time being again, maybe they'll prove me wrong. Maybe they'll end up shoving it down my throat, but I have my reservations for heavily investing in any, any one piece of this Maulers offense. Yeah. I think the thing that you got to be able to, you can have a quarterback who's a fringe player, but they have to have something you can hang your hat on. Quentin Dormady had SEC experience. You can hang your hat on that. A guy like DeAndre Johnson, you can hang your hat on. Well, if his passing isn't working, he's going to outrun everybody on the field because he's a stellar athlete. And even getting down to a team like Houston, well, they've got guys who can run and they've got a physical back who can get it done. And in Memphis, you've got question marks, but you have some talented receivers. It's really hard to find something to be positive about with the Maulers, other than Bailey Gaither is does seem like he has NFL talent running routes, doesn't have the NFL physicality, but yeah. he can get open and he can cook NFL cornerbacks, so he shouldn't have an issue here. 
but it's just, it does feel like that dumpster fire. It does feel like the coaching isn't there. You know, the kind of coaches who succeed in these spring leagues are guys who are hungry, who are preparation driven. You know, we see a guy like um, Reggie Barlow being successful. We see guys like Bart Andrus being successful. We see guys um, like uh, in Birmingham. Um, oh, hell. Luke Skip Holtz being successful. Yep. Guys who have been used to doing it and working at multiple levels. And then you have guys who just are a name. You know, the XFL might have missed the boat with some of their coaching hires because they went with names that people yeah. knew but weren't going to put a good product on the field. If you're not a top-tier coach or haven't been for a while, then you have to have been grinding the preparation that is going to help prepare you for these types of leagues. And I think, and look, it's no fault to some of these coaching staffs from either, whether it be a head coaching perspective or even further down the line, which is some of the positional coaches or, or coordinating positions. Like if your best uh, experience that you bring to the table is that you were an intern for an NFL team for five months, I just don't think you're in position to, to, necessarily handle coordinating an offense for a professional football team and again no fault to some of these guys uh, at all but I, I just think that there's a the clear separation in some of these coaching staffs Mike Riley obviously a guy with the generals who you can't underestimate at this point has been doing it year in and year out at, at any level of football and has been doing it successfully enough to, to earn himself uh, another shot here with the generals like it, it just is, it, there's this, there's definitely a discrepancy in some of the coaching staffs. And I think that that is, you see that on, on Saturdays and Sundays for sure. Yeah. Well, Cody, thank you very much for joining us. It was a joy talking to you. Uh, real excited to see how things shake out with the USFL. Excited for a jam-packed spring football weekend. It's going to feel, it's going to feel like an NFL weekend a little bit. We got eight games this weekend to get excited about. You know, what's what's your watching strategy this weekend? Uh, yeah, eight games, eight games. games. I'm uh, probably going to have the TV, the TV on up here in my office uh, to, to my left. And I'm going to be on my computer because I'll be, de be dealing with inactives and trying to update my lineups and <laughs> trying to uh, update our projections as well. It is going to be a very busy weekend. Um, hope you guys all enjoy it. I think we are very blessed to have eight football games in a weekend. And thank you, as we look forward, thank you to the USFL for really only asking for our attention span two days of the week. There's no Thursday, no Friday, no Mondays to deal with. Devote your attention to the USFL on Saturdays and Sundays, and then you can go back your days the rest of the week and, and, and join us back here, you know, Saturdays and Sundays to watch more spring football. Listen, the USFL learned their lessons last year, and they had a free example for the XFL that the XFL just didn't follow. But for those of y'all who are excited, just a quick teaser, Alt Fantasy will be rolling out our daily platform and it's free and there's no prizes, but we're probably going to run a contest through the pod and it will be combined USFL, XFL slate. So that'll be a fun thing. I don't, I hope, I would hope DraftKings would do that, but I don't know if they will, but that fun, these two weeks with the, these four weeks with the overlap really open it up for some interesting options. So Pay attention to that. We'll be announcing contest details later this week for that on Alt Fantasy. Sounds so. like a ton of fun. I love that idea. All right. So, Cody, thank you very much. Cody, where can everybody find your work other than here on this lovely podcast? Yeah, check out EstablishTheRun.com. We will have USFL subscription packages if you're looking for fantasy content, DFS projections, top plays, ownership projections, all of that stuff. 
We still have the XFL package going on as well. If you haven't caught us yet and want to catch us for the last couple of weeks of the season, hopefully we are your home for spring football content and trying to help you win your XFL and USFL fantasy leagues. Establish the run.com is where you can find all of our work. All right. Well, thank you very much, Cody, for joining us. And I'm Adam Pelletier, and we will see you next time. Nova Productions.